And may those around us see your power and your presence in us, and may they be drawn closer to you by our words and our actions and our reactions. Lord God, this morning we lift up those who are hurting, those who are ill, those who are recovering, those who are mindful of your healing power. We lift up prayers for those who are going through times of transition or maybe difficult days, whether it be physical or emotional or financial or spiritual or relational. May we look to you as the source of our healing and our comfort and our hope. Lord, we love you and we thank you for first loving us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now is our band, and I love when they're in the round down here playing an acoustic set this morning. When, when they started playing that song this morning, how many of you remember that or recognize that song? Yeah, it's 1965, a number one song for a group called The Birds. Now, the song is called Turn, Turn, Turn. It was actually written in the late 50s by folk singer Pete Seeger. He added the turn, turn, turn part, but it actually comes straight out of the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament of the Bible, the book of Ecclesiastes was written in about 935 B.C. by King Solomon. And so King Solomon, true story, is now credited with writing a number one song in the U.S. How cool is that? So as we look at our song this morning, Turn, 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 what are we called to turn away from? Who are we called to turn to? And what are we called to turn away? Those are three things that we're going to look at quickly this morning. Now, like I said, we're in the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm going to read this passage out of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 in just a moment. They might be words that you recognize. If you know the song, then you already maybe know the passage. But let me give you a quick overview of the book of Ecclesiastes. Like I said, it's in the Old Testament. The name comes from the Greek meaning to assemble, a Greek word for Ecclesiastes means to assemble because it's an assembly or a collection of wise sayings that, like I said, are credited with King Solomon or credited to King Solomon in about 935 BC. It was written late in his life. It honestly is a book seemingly of pessimism. He's showing his pursuit of worldly things and how that led him away from God. King Solomon was known for his wisdom, his wealth, his power, his status. People came from all over to hear him teach, to hear his wisdom, to hear what he had to say. But despite the intellect and the wisdom and the worldly success, Solomon failed to kind of heed his own advice and he fell away from God. And so, like I said, it seemingly is a pessimistic, depressing, dark book. The author is looking for meaning in life, and he says, I just can't seem to find it. Things seem to be in vain. Throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, you have words like vain, futile, empty, meaningless, even fleeting. But, but, but near the end of his life, he looked back with regret, even with repentance, and he wants to share the error of his ways, encouraging the readers, the people who listen to him, to say, no, we've got to turn to God. Despite the wealth and the fame and the status and the power, there's a void, he says, if we're apart from God. So let me read to you Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. In this passage, he uses the word time 30 times. 
Okay, and he's listing different things that are in juxtaposition with one another. He'll mention one thing and then kind of the polar opposite. He's not excusing these things. He's not saying that we should do these things. But he's saying that in this world in which we live, there's a season for different things in life. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. There is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant, a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down. A time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search, a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. That's what he's talking about. This morning, we're going to break down our message, like I said, into three parts, and, and then we're going to do something that, that, that might be a little bit challenging. Just, just kind of bear with me as we move through this, okay, as we're called to turn, turn, turn. Now, there have been times in my life, honestly, when I have turned away from God. Maybe it's been a conscious decision of rebellion. Maybe it's been more subtle, or maybe there are just times when my faith seems to be failing or falling or my passion for other things overshadows the love that I'm called to have for God. And in the Old Testament, there are several things that are mentioned that displease God. But, but there are two that are mentioned more than any other. Two sins, you could say, in the Old Testament that are mentioned more than any other, okay? The first is oppressing the poor. You don't want to do that. Oppressing the poor is one of the sins that's mentioned more than any other in the Old Testament. The other is the sin of self-reliance, relying on our own strengths and our own abilities instead of pouring and leaning and pressing into God. Now, imagine your life as a jigsaw puzzle. You have all of these various pieces, maybe family and career and friends and a social life and maybe different things that occupy your thoughts or your time. And then very often, at least in my life, I had that jigsaw puzzle all mapped out, but there was something missing. There was just something that, that, that seemed to be empty, something that was void. And so I tried to fill it with church, tried to fill it with God. But the truth is, the scripture says, you know, we've got it kind of backwards when we do that. Our centerpiece, instead of trying to cram that into the middle, we, we kind of take our puzzle off the table and start afresh, start anew, put Christ as the center. And then around him, build everything else. Like I said, King Solomon got wrapped up in, in his wealth and his status and his power. And in the midst of that, he lost sight of God. What are those things that get in the way of your relationship with God and my relationship with God? And as we wrap up the first three parts of this message, think about those ways in which we have turned away from where God wants us to be. And so as we focus on turn, 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 we're going to do something a little bit uncomfortable, okay? We've got four sections in the chapel, and then we've got the balconies. And so what we're going to do after each of these sessions, we're going to have you guys move. 
I know that you pick the seat that you're in because it's comfortable. Maybe it's where you always sit. Maybe you're sitting next to your friends, and that's cool. That's great. We love that sense of community. But we're going to get a different vantage point. That's one of the things that Ecclesiastes tells us to do, to take a different vantage point of our circumstances, of those other people around us, and most importantly, of God. So pick up your things. What you're going to do is you're going to move counterclockwise to your right. Okay, so you guys are going to move there. You guys are going to move all the way over here. If you're in the balcony, you guys are on your own. You're just rebellious to begin with, okay? So you guys kind of come where you want. And as you guys are moving, as you're moving from one section to the other, let me have a quick time of prayer. Dear loving God, I thank you for the amazing love that you have for us. Spirit to show us the ways in which we haven't put you first in our lives, those times in which we have turned away from you. And I pray this movement around the chapel this morning will remind us to have a different vantage point from which we see our circumstances, our situations, we see our lives, we see ourselves, and we see others, different ways in which we encounter and experience you. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. You are good.
never gonna let You're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let You're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let You're never gonna let me down We sing it out you're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down And when the night is holding on to me, God is holding on. And when the night is holding on to me, God is holding on. Cause you are good, good, oh, you are good, good, oh, you are good, so good, oh, you are good, good.
Thank you. Good stuff. Like I said, the passage in Ecclesiastes is speaking of the various seasons we go through. And Solomon declares that there is an appointed time for everything. And the key word in this section is time. Like I said, it's used 30 times in just verses 1 through 8. Now, there are two types of time that we find mentioned in Scripture. One is a Greek word called chronos. And that refers to a chronological and substantial time. We, we measure that in minutes or hours or seconds. But then there's another time called kairos. And that refers to the right or the opportune moment. In Greek, the right or opportune moment, kairos. Okay, this refers to a season of time. We're encountering various seasons in our lives. Some last a long time. Some may be seasons of transition. Some may be seasons that are longer than others. And maybe you're going through a great season, or maybe you're going through a tough season, and you can't wait for it to end. But maybe, regardless of the season you're going through, you can look back and you can see the amazing ways in which God has been good during those various seasons, the ways in which God carried you through a difficult time or made his peace and his presence known in the midst of chaos. Eight years ago, my wife was pregnant with our second child. She had suffered a miscarriage about a year earlier, and midway through her pregnancy, I was out of town and back home. We lived outside of Athens at the time. Catherine, in the middle of the night, awoke in a pool of her own blood. She was rushed to the hospital. They then rushed her down to Emory. She lost a lot of blood, and, and truly, we weren't sure if she would survive or if the baby would survive. And she would spend three months at Emory University Hospital, and we, there, there were days we didn't know what was going to happen. Her life was in danger. Our, our unborn daughter's life was in danger, and overnight, Overnight, our agendas changed. No longer were we looking six months down the road. We were just praying that, that she would make it hour by hour. And I won't lie to you, I, I was scared to death. We had people praying for us, and we could feel God sustaining us and holding us. We felt the comfort of those around us and of God's peace. And when we look back on that season, as painful as it was, we can see all of the ways in which God was sustaining us, but the truth is we felt utterly helpless. Not hopeless, but helpless. We were in a place of brokenness where there was nothing we could do. We just had to wait to see how her body would respond and what the doctors would say next. And After three months, she gave birth to our daughter who, who was tiny, but fairly healthy, maybe not at first, but, but would eventually become healthy. And my wife made it out of the hospital. And, and so we praise God for that season in which he sustained us and held us and carried us through. But in the midst of that, we, we had to turn to God because the truth is there was nowhere else we could go. I couldn't rely on my abilities or, or my job as a pastor. We couldn't rely on her, her knowledge or her gift of, of, of counseling young people. It didn't matter how much money or how little money we had or where we lived or the kind of car we had. We were just taking it minute by minute. Would she be okay? The truth is God is in pursuit, the scripture says, of each one of us. And we're called to turn towards him. 
time of brokenness, that's all we could do. That, that was God calling you to turn to him. We're going to pray, and then we're going to move to another section again, okay? The cool thing is that, number one, you, you get a new vantage point of, of maybe the, the chapel and the different places where you are. You also, because the band is in the round, you get to see different people in the band and see their faces. And that really is a cool thing. I mean, that really, really is. So, so we can pray with me. Dear loving God, we thank you for calling us into a relationship with you, and we thank you for pursuing us. Remind us that regardless of what the world says about us, each of us, each of us is of sacred worth to you. As we physically move within this room, may it be symbolic of the ways in which you are calling us to move closer to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So you guys know the routine, okay? You guys over here and you guys just over there. Again, balcony folks, wherever you want to go. Maybe some of you want to go to the balcony. That's cool, too. When you get to your seats, please remain standing and join us as we sing.
something. Now, what is your favorite time of year? A lot of fall. How many of you say the fall? I'm making you raise your hands a lot, aren't I? I don't know why this is. Maybe you're getting ready for back to school. How many of you say the winter? Anybody wintery? Okay. Summer? Yeah. Summer's coming to a close. And then what am I missing? Spring. Yeah. Spring. Okay. And then some of you are still asleep, and that's okay. We're going to wake you up in this last section, I promise, okay? We're going to be okay. As we go through the year, obviously the, the seasons change. I, I love the fall. I love the, the humidity of the summer kind of drifting into a distant memory and the crisp, cool air of the fall. And college football, one of my favorite things in this world. A handful of you like that, I guess. That's, that's good. And so I know that college football season is in full swing. And I love the pageantry and the tradition of college football and all that goes with that. But I also like the fact that no matter how your team played last season, whether it was poorly or whether it was really well, you have a new season. You have a fresh beginning. You have a new opportunity. And the truth is that Scripture says that in your life, in your career, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your relationships, in your education. You're going to go through various seasons. Some seasons are going to last, like I said, longer than others. But, but God doesn't measure seasons with clocks and calendars as we do. But rather, God measures seasons through his truth and revelation. Whenever God gives you a new, fresh word, I think you have stepped into a new season. And scripture is pretty clear that, that God doesn't change, but scripture is also clear that, that you and I are called to, that our situations and our circumstances, they certainly change. We can fight it or we can embrace it. And throughout the Bible, God seems very consistently, okay, coming onto the side of change. Isaiah 49, 19 in the Old Testament says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Paul, in the New Testament, he encourages the Ephesians to put away your former life and be renewed. Throughout the Bible, God calls upon various people of different generations to grow through the seasons in which they find themselves, to change through the ways God is calling us to change. Sometimes we long to get out of the season and into the next one, but we have to stay in the season a little bit longer than we would like, maybe because God is still teaching us or stretching us through it, or God is slowly unveiling or revealing all that he has in store for us. And the truth is, as much 
as it might be difficult to think about it, as believers, as followers of Jesus, change should be the norm. Why is that? Well, because God's word tells us that as followers of Jesus, we're constantly growing. And growth involves change. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that, that we, as followers of Jesus, are being transformed into God's likeness. A transformation can take a long time. In, in this case, it takes a lifetime. Think about that. God is chipping away at every corner of our lives, and he's forming us, transforming us, rather, into the relationship and into the likeness of Christ. And so no matter what the season in which we find ourselves, God is with us. And we, no, matter, no matter the darkness or, or the scary times that we go through, God is with us. God will teach us, God will reveal to us, God will challenge us, but God will always be with us. And so Ecclesiastes is a book that is asking the question, what is the meaning of life? And like I said, it seems kind of dark and kind of gloomy and kind of pessimistic through parts of it. But Solomon then comes around and he realizes that he has walked away from God. When Jesus started his public ministry, the scripture says that his very first sermon he preached was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. In the gospel, it says to turn toward Jesus. Um, when I turn towards Jesus on this stained glass window, for example, I'm, I'm turning my back on you guys. I'm turning my back on something else. Whenever we do turn toward Christ, whenever we turn toward the gospel, whenever we turn toward where God is calling us to be, that means we are turning our back on something else. And so we're talking about the song, turn, turn, turn. You guys made a lot of turns today moving around the chapel. Y'all done a great job with that, by the way. But it's interesting to note that the Greek verb for turn literally means to repent. To repent literally means to turn away from. Okay, left to our own devices, the Bible says that, that we're going to go astray, we're going to make mistakes, we're going to fall short. But through the amazing love and the grace of God, he sent his son to bridge the gap that exists between where we are and where God wants us to be. It's something that we can't do on our own. That's why we refer to Jesus as a savior, because we can't save ourselves. We can't fix ourselves. And so we're called to turn away from the previous way of doing things. We turn away from our selfish default settings. We turn from something to turn toward something else. We turn away from our own agenda to turn towards God. We turn away from our own desires and towards the ways in which God is calling us to deal with the injustices in the world around us. We're called to turn away from the status quo, to turn towards a hurting world. The book of Ecclesiastes closes by basically saying that despite the wealth and the fame and the status and the power and the things that we have, there is no hope, there's no peace, there's no joy, there's no promise apart from God. So Solomon laments of the limited time we have in this life. But the gospel turns to the assurance that this life is not all that there is, the promise of eternal life. And just like the seasons, as we grow, we're going to experience change. And as we go through that, we place our faith in a God who doesn't change. So finally, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to move around one more time. Your last movement of the day. We've turned. We've turned. We're going to turn once more. Okay, so go at it. Okay? 
you continue your movement into a new place, let me pray for you guys. that this, this movement, this chain, it represents the ways in which God is calling us to change, to turn away from the things of this world, to turn towards the promise and the assurance and the eternity of God. One of the ways in which we respond to God is with our movement, like I said, what is God, what is God calling me to do? How is God calling me to live? How is God calling me to serve those around me? One of the things we do as a congregation of faith, one of the ways in which we're called to respond to God is with our giving. And you can see different ways to give to Chapel Roswell, different ways to return some of God's blessing back to him. So as we talk about change this morning, will you pray with me? Dear loving God, we thank you for the ways in which you are stretching and growing us, the ways in which you are calling us and claiming us just as we are that the love you have is so much and so great that you want us to move beyond just where we are now. Lord, allow us to see our current season, our current circumstances, not from our limited vantage point, not as we do, but Lord, as you do. And as we physically have moved throughout this chapel, may it remind us of the ways in which you are calling us to turn toward you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.